Welcome to Mom, You Got This. I'm your host, Erica Ryder, mom, author, and special needs warrior. I created this podcast because I am you. I know the triumphs and challenges of raising a child with special needs. I want you to be encouraged. I want you to have hope. Even though this special journey has its ups and downs, know that I am right here with you. I want you to know that sometimes it's okay not to be okay. Each episode meets you where you are and gives you practical steps to move from where you are to where you want to be. Mom, you got this. Welcome to this episode of Mom, You Got This with your host, Erica Ryder. Today is a special episode because Erica is going to be joined by her daughter, Maya. In My Sister's Keeper, Erica talks about the relationship between her daughters, so it seemed to make sense to have one of the episodes in this season with Erica and her daughter. So, hi, Erica. Hi, Allegra. Hi, Maya. Hi, Miss Allegra. And I have to greet her and say, hey, boo. That's my my boo. So let's kick it off by talking about how, just a little bit, about how you came to name your book, My Sister's Keeper, because I know that has something to do with Miss Maya. Yes, it does. Oh, My Sister's Keeper was just, the title just came. It was just so easy to say, because I always say that Maya is the best little big sister that Taryn could have had. And she is literally her sister's keeper and really has been since she was born. And just her, just to see her love for her sister, um, the title is just perfect. Awesome. So tell me, Maya, what did you think when your mom told you she was writing a book and she was calling it My Sister's Keeper? Um. I was like, hey, I didn't know you were a writer. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, where'd that come from? Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought it was really cool. I thought, like like she said, the title was very fitting. Um, like now that it's like grown on me, I can't really think of anything else that she could have called it. Um, but I was like, it was just really cool that she was finally putting like all these years of, I guess, our life into a book. I was a little concerned about how she would, how we would like read over. I was like, I'm going to be aired out. I look a certain way. Um, but I don't, I don't think I, I think it's all pretty, uh, it's all in a, it's all in a good light. I don't think it's anything that that's too out there. Um, I thought, I thought it was ultimately pretty cool, um, to just have kind of your, your life on paper and you can like read it back and you're like, Hey, that is kind of, kind of true. It is kind of how our lives played out. So yeah, it's cool. If anything. Can I tell you how much I loved it that you were worried about how you would appear in the book? <laughs> but who's not? I'm like, oh, my life's being put in a book. I better look good. I know, right? I didn't <laughs> think about that. But I'm like, yeah, if somebody put me in a book, I'd be like, well, who's going to play me in the movie? That would be my first thought. <laughs> Is Angela available? And does she mind wearing heels so that she appears taller? You know, these yeah. are the things that we have to ask ourselves. <laughs> but when we started putting together this series of episodes for this podcast, One of the things that Eric and I talked a lot about was the things, the lessons that she wanted to teach parents who have more than one child, period, right? Each child should be treated as an individual. But there were some special things to think about when one of the children 
has special needs. So are there things, Maya, that you would like to share that you think, speaking as a sibling in this situation, that you would want other siblings in similar situations to know? I would want other siblings to know, like siblings yeah. in that situation. Um, yeah. yeah. A, your parents love you. Um, definitely, like, remember that. And I know it sounds like, oh, like, of course they do. But um, I know it can be, like, very frustrating at times. You can, like, feel a ways about how they're doing it or what your role is in that family. But at the end of the day, your parents love you, even if the way that you think they're showing it is interesting. Um, even if you feel like it could be like different, like they do. It's just the way they display it because of your familial situation may just look a little different, but ultimately they love you. They do really care about you. They care about your voice. Um, just yeah, in time it'll be clear, but yeah, they ultimately, they love you. They do. Don't forget that. Yeah. That's, that's probably the biggest thing I'd say. Yeah. Oh, and your, and your sibling loves you too. That one may seem a bit more murky, but I promise you they do. Um, they really do. Um, it just, they look a little interesting, but in time, it'll make a lot more sense. It'll be all clear. So Eric, I want to give you the opportunity first, before I ask another question to respond to that, the lessons that Maya would like to pour into other siblings are one, that your parents love you two that they care about your voice and three, that your siblings love you too. Tell me, uh, <laughs> how, how would you respond to that? Was that a surprise? Any new um, information coming out here? Am I breaking news right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I would tell other parents, that is all very intentional. It's work. And you got to really, when I think about it, my husband and I, you know, Isaac, we made that very intentional. We did our best, didn't get it all the time, but we wanted to, you know, both daughters to know how much we just love them and cared about them. And just, we're just so honored to be that really that God chose us to be their parents. But it was very, uh, it, it's very intentional, like a lot of things, because having Taryn so much time, you know, she's five years older than Maya. So, you know, for the first five years, this is, you know, all of our life was just poured into Maya, I mean, excuse me, poured into Taryn. So then now, and we really desired a second child. So when Maya came on the scene, we're like, oh my God, yes, beautiful, wonderful. But we had to be very intentional about taking the time to let Maya know as best we could that we cared so much about her as well, even though our time automatically would go to Taryn. So you really have to, I would say to parents, you really have to work and be extremely intentional about all of that. So I'm glad to hear from Maya's perspective that what we tried and I think succeeded at doing, you know, that she felt the love because we really did want that, want her to know that. So understanding that um, what I'm about to step into could be emotional because we're not talking about something that we read in a magazine on an airplane. We're talking about your actual lives. So I want to be uh, respectful of that. And I really do want to hold space and honor that, but I do want to poke and ask a couple of questions. So I warn you in advance, I'm about to poke something. And if any question I ask, you don't want to answer, you can just say out loud, pass or you're tripping or whatever it is that you'd like to say, you don't have to answer. So when Maya first shared, hey, the thing I'd want you to know is that your parents love you. And then you talked about how some things that you wouldn't understand, but you would understand later. So you're waving a magic, a magic purple crayon right now. How would you like parents to show love to the regularly abled child in a situation like this? 
you understand the question? Like, how is the love meaningful to you? Right. Because I might want to show love to someone by the fact that I get up and cook every day and they might think, oh, that's love. That's not my love language. I want you to take out the trash. Right. So (laughs) this is your opportunity to say, what would you want loving you to look like? Yeah. And I'm glad you touched on the first thing I was definitely going to say was it definitely depends on the child. Um, But for me, it would be time. Um, And I think that they did a pretty good um, job with that. yeah, they did a pretty good job with that. But definitely for me, it would be mainly um, time. Um, and then also, like I said, like some things you can clear as you get older. Um, I will say now, like one of my, for me, quality time and um, words of affirmation are tied. And there's this thing that kind of flows around the internet um, where it says, you know, your love language as an adult is what you didn't have as a child. And I remember the longest time I was like, well, my love language is quality time. It's only quality time. It's just that. And I was like, I always have plenty of time. But very often when I was younger, I felt unheard. So that's why now my quality time and words of affirmation literally go back and forth between one and two, um, depending like on the day. Um, so I guess if I could like run it back like in time, um, it would look like more words of affirmation. Like, yes, I hear you. Yes, I understand why you feel this way. Because the time wasn't lacking. It was nice. There was plenty of time. Um, but the words, the, the, um, the affirming was lacking. Um, and that's something I didn't really notice till I got older. Cause I was like, I kind of ran, ran it back and I was like, Oh, that's what that was. I'm like, that, like, that little quote makes all the sense now. Cause I was like, no, we had all the time. I don't want to gloss over. Don't miss that. So for moms like Erica and others, you did have time and you had the quality time. So don't miss that because some children aren't getting that. Right. Mm-hmm. So when Erica was saying that um, she and Isaac, it's weird talking about her in the third person, like she's not yes. in this conversation. <laughs> uh, but so Erica, you and Isaac were like intentional about carving out time. So I think yes. it's important for you to hear that you did protect that well. But I love the part about what was more meaningful to you was words of affirmation and just saying that you were seen or you were heard. That's an important lesson. And I don't know that any of us have the ability to express that when we're young, right? It's not like we all come out thinking, you know what? I don't feel validated in this situation, right? A five-year-old's not going to say that. The five-year-old is going to throw split pea soup at the wall, right? I'm just saying that as we get older, it makes sense that kind of the communication and how you're feeling about some things would make more sense. But I'm loving that as an easy action step for the moms who are listening to this podcast, you know? If you're spending time, that's great, but also stop and like check in and ask questions, you know, acknowledge what's going on. I love that words of affirmation. Cause when you said that in my mind, I thought like telling you, you can do anything, but what you're saying is even more basic than that. It's, I see you, I hear you, or, Hey, tell me what you're thinking and then listen and then indicate that you heard by responding to that. That is wonderful. So that would have helped you feel the love in a way that speaks to your particular love language. I think that's awesome. And I think that probably leads to the second piece of advice you shared, which was to tell children that your parents care about your voice. That's fascinating. So talk to me about that. What does that mean to you care about your voice? Hmm. I mean, just, I guess with most things just that are, in a way like neglected, just like with anything else, you're gonna to a certain at a certain point, you're gonna think that if you do things over and over again, 
and there's no response to it, that it doesn't matter. I mean, that kind of like goes for like all like aspects of your life. You know, you're like, oh, if I study and I can only get a C, then I guess the studying doesn't matter. You know, if I like work out and I see like no results, I guess the working out doesn't matter. Um, it's kind of like most things in your life. You want things to be affirmed. You want things to be like spoken on whenever you do them. And um, yeah, like when that doesn't happen, it's like, well, what's the point? Um, yeah, and there are plenty of times where I was like, I'm like, what's even the point of me being like, I don't like that, but that, that won't matter. Um, so yeah, as I said, you just have to affirm um, in whatever way that looks like for your child, but like you have to like affirm them along the way. Cause at a certain point you keep doing things, it's like, no, what's even the point? Um, so you have to do that. Not, like I said, it will look different for everybody. Um, but for me, it was words. And yeah, if you just, if it's not spoken on, then it's just like, what's the point? So yeah, you just have to do whatever you got to do to get there. So it seems like they care. So Erica, in another episode, you and I were talking about balancing, right? And understanding that all of your children have individual needs. Right. And we were talking even about, um, so I'm a middle child, right? So I often felt not seen or heard because I had an older brother who was a supremely good athlete and a younger sister who was a genius, but always in something. So I developed behaviors where I just didn't want to get a lot of attention. And I didn't use my voice because I thought, well, there's so much energy, right? I just sensed in my family, there was so much energy going to the other children. I was going to be all right. So I wasn't going to say much, but I also, as I got older, was like, yeah, what lesson was I teaching myself about the things that I wanted to say? Mm. Right. So I, we talked about this in one of the other episodes that kind of owning your voice and the confidence to speak up or ask for what you want, like those behaviors are earned or learned rather early. So what types of things are you doing now as a mom that you think help you see and acknowledge both of your daughters that other moms can learn from? First of all, just definitely recognizing and acknowledging their, their beautiful differences. And uh, just really acknowledge it and honoring them for that. So that's definitely because that validates that you, you know, you love them just the way they are. And they're, you know, I like this on like perfect with all, like we all are perfect with all of our flaws. Um, the other thing is that you then talk to your child and respond to your child uh, in the way that's meaningful for them. Um, you know, so back to, you know, as Maya said, with a conversation and, and affirming, it's just beautiful now that she's a, you know, she's a young adult and we just get to, we get to talking and we get to talking. She sent me this cute meme the other week was like something to the point, like, well, like when you and your mom are you like, what, what was it mine when you and your it mom? Was, um, <laughs> it's like the whole thing about whenever you're younger, like black moms are like, oh, don't talk to me like I'm one of your little friends. And then whenever you're older, you talk to your mom like you're, you're like they're one of your little friends. <laughs> friends. Like, oh, that's <laughs> and that's a I'm like, girl, and this happened. And then I'm like, girl, and what? <laughs> oh, so, that is perfect. <laughs> yes. And what moment does the switch happen? Like, when does the flip go up? Right? When yeah. do you know that you can talk to your mom like she's one of your little friends? Yeah. Like, when does that happen? I, it's just funny. And again, it's still respectful moms. You know, Maya still knows I'm absolutely her mom. She gives me the utmost respect as she always does. She always will tell me, ooh, scared of you. But we just also have this, you know, we just can talk about literally every everything, anything and everything. 
But that goes with, you know, again, it just doesn't happen overnight. You start with, you know, when they're young and then this listening, you know, and I really do, you know, parent, one thing I um, would say, parents, you can learn. Yes, we are the parents, but you can learn so much from your children. And that's what I do. I really respect Maya's voice. She's full of wisdom. She's full of wit, but I listen and I learn. And as parents, you have to be humble enough that to learn. And your kids can teach you a lot. And there's things you don't know, especially now in this day and age of technology and everything else. And the world is so much, the world is in our homes now, you know, and our kids have grown up with that. So listen to your kids and learn from them. And that's, it's a beautiful thing. And uh, yeah. One of the other lessons that uh, you were talking about, Erica, before we started recording today was that it's important when you have more than one child, period, that the parents act as a unit, right? So that one parent isn't always doing everything. So we know this podcast is talking to moms, but it needs to be okay for moms to delegate and share the load. Yes, most definitely. I would definitely say Isaac and I, we were you know, we weren't just parents, we were partners. And, you know, this road was tough. Um, But when one of us was up, you know, the other one may have been down and vice versa. And we just knew we had to do this as a unit and to give the girls, you know, everything that we possibly could. Um, Not only just from a physical standpoint, from an emotional standpoint as well. You know, I'd have to say Isaac was, uh, I think I shared before, he had only wanted girls. He was a daddy's, you know, he was a daddy's girl's daddy. You know, I know yeah. they have all that on the internet now, you know, daddy girl. No, this was him way back when. He he only oh. wanted daughter. He was a girl dad. Yeah, yeah that's like, the big thing. Kobe, the, even the whole Kobe yeah. thing, he was a girl dad. Yeah. He was a girl dad. He only wanted girls. And his whole thing was because girls never leave their dads and they love their dad. And if I, t- yeah, the, yeah, he was an absolute girl dad. For the moms who might be, first of all, I didn't know girl dad was a thing. Is that like a hashtag? I'm like fascinated by that. I didn't have a girl dad. So I'm like, yes. there's a thing of girl dad. I love that. Yes. I'm so looking that up after this. Okay. Um, but let's say that I'm a mom listening to this and I don't have a partner in the house. So what can I do to make sure that I'm uh, not shouldering everything on my own? First of all, ask for help. You have use utilize your network that you have. Utilize your your parents, your sis, you know, your siblings, your aunties, your girlfriends, you know, all of those people in your life. And uh, and literally, you know, with me being a widow, that's who you know. That's who I use now, and I always have. But as moms, you got to be humble enough to ask for help. People can't read your mind. Your mom can't read your mind. Your family members can't read your mind uh, when you need help. You got to speak up and say, I need help. I need you to come and sit with the kids while I go out and take a walk. I need you. I got to get myself together. Um, So really ask for help. And whatever that means, nothing too big or too small. And and most of the time, people want to help you because if they love you, they want to help you but you got to let them know. The other thing is don't try to be a super mom. 
You know, I say that you you sit here and got that cape on and you sit there trying to be the super mom and that cape is all wrapped around your neck. You're tripping over it and you laying on the ground because you trying to be all that. And your kids are like looking at you like, what's wrong with mom? So you got to be like, <laughs> so before your crown's all crooked and the, and the cape is all wrapped around you, ask for help. So if I'm there and the cape is wrapped around my neck, is there anybody who I should not ask for help? Yeah. What you don't want to do is make, try to make your regularly able child a second parent. That's not their job. You're the parent. So I know as a single mom, you know, and it could be easy, very easy to do. It's like, oh, Maya, come and, you know, Maya, come do this for you. Oh, Maya, come do this for you. Oh, Maya, I need you for this. Yeah, I'm very, and I want Maya to definitely validate this to make sure that I'm correct. But what I am doing, I will add, you know, first of all, I don't make the assumption that her time, like she, she can just come and do this. I always ask her when I do need her, Maya, you know, I'll ask her, hey, are you available? And, you know, things of that nature. But she is not the parent. She is not Taryn's parent. She is Taryn's sibling. And I want her to be Taryn's sibling. She is not to be, I'm not trying to get her to replace Isaac. He was a parent. I was a parent. So I believe I'm very intentional about that. But I'd want Aunt Maya to be absolutely honest because that's what my intention is. <laughs> but How's that yeah. landing, Maya? <laughs> Not to put no, you on the spot, but let's put you on the spot. <laughs> no, she's right. It actually made me think about like when I was younger, um, I very often um, would like, I don't want to see me, like say like be like stressed, but I think I could like find myself in like situations where like I maybe cared about a situation almost too much because I was a child. Like I think I cared about it in a way that a parent would. And I would always be like told like, you know, like, like, this is, like, not your situation for this. Or, you know, like, remember, like, you are, like, her sister, um, which was, like, was frustrating at times. So I was, like, I feel like I I care too much. I can't do anything about it. But I think that, like, set a very good, um, like, groundwork and, like, foundation for, like, our lives now. Because, yeah, like she said, I, ne- I never, especially now as an adult, and I can actually do more things for my sister um, and for my mom, I never feel like I'm obligated to do anything um, for her that would fulfill, like, a parental role. Um it's always, can you do this? Are, like she said, are you available to do this? Um, and it's usually yes, because I don't, I don't mind it now. Um, but that like that obviously took time. Um, but um, yeah, I never feel like I'm made to do anything. And I definitely don't feel like anyone's parent. And I think that's because it was kind of like pushed into me, like, you know, like that I have to set boundaries just as like a sibling, because um, it never needs to cross into that. And especially like, whenever my, my mom was like widowed, um, I like, I know she, I could feel that you never, never wanted me to feel like I was like taking that role. And I honestly never felt that I was. Um, so good job with that mom. Nice. <laughs> Thank you, boo. I am smiling, you know, I'm smiling, <laughs> smiling, smiling because I, you know, I was intentional, you know, intentional about this. And then also it brought to mind, just was so cute. And it was, and it was so hard when Maya was young. She's probably like six or seven, you know, five, six or seven. Maya is just one of those. She was such a, so cute. She would just scurry around like a little squirrel. She was just like moved around really quick. And it was hard for me to, for, and she has such a heart, you know, I know she, you know, such a heart for 
people and helping, but for her sister. And I would tell her, you know, I would ask my, you know, Taryn to do something or whatever. And Maya would be right in there. And I'm like, no, Maya, you have to let her do it for herself. And it was so hard to get her to understand, like, no, Maya. And she would just look at me so sad, but like, why can't I, why can't I help her? And I would be like, no, honey, she's got to do it for herself. And she, it was just so hard. And she just looked so hurt. But um, I'm glad to know that she understands now why, because yeah, she'd be right in there, just like jumping right on in there. I think it relates to the last episode that we recorded where you were talking about how letting your child with special needs, maybe struggle or maybe take a little longer or maybe do something differently than the way you would have done it gives them strength and builds their self-esteem and their self-confidence because they know they can do, they know two things. They know you believe they can do it. And mm-hmm. then they know that they can do it. But yeah, that's how hard we talked about how hard that is for moms, right? Yes. <laughs> to grow and get that lesson and learn when to step back. So you can only imagine that it's going to be equally hard for a devoted, loving sibling to be like, wait, I could help her. You're telling me not to? What wizardry is this? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Now she understands, right? But she didn't understand then. Yes. So tell me, Maya, the last piece of information you were giving was that Your sibling loves you too, which made me think that sometimes that's not always obvious. So talk to us a little bit about uh, the uncertainty of knowing whether your sibling loves you. Where does that come from? How does that show up? Um, I will say, so um, I'm thinking of like a very specific point in my life, um, probably about when I was maybe like a preteen and my sister was a teenager because she is five years older than me. So I'm thinking like for me, between like for me, like middle school going into the beginning of high school, it was just rough. We argued all of the time about stuff that didn't even matter. Um, and I, you know, like all siblings like argue, but there I will say there is like an added level um, with her, with us being like differently abled. Um, and we were always arguing about the smallest stuff. And like, um, it was just, ridiculous honestly and um I was like I was like this girl does I'm like she can't I'm like love this girl can't love me I'm like there's no way I'm like there's no way I'm like how am I being like accosted for these really small things and um yeah at times it did not feel that way and I was like I was just like how am I and obviously she probably said the same thing on her end you know maybe but like I was like how am I being attacked for things and like it was just some a few years where like it was just bad it was just happening like super often I was like ooh, I was like she like she I'm like I don't even think she likes me I was like I'm like there's just no way <laughs> um but like I, I know that like she does I know that like she loves me like I know that and it's 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 better now um but I was just for a couple years I was like there is no way I was like okay sure and like, oh, well, I would like tell me like, yo, you know, like she's your sister, you know, you love her, she loves you. I'm like, yeah, girl, sure. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I'm like, I'm this. but uh, yeah, like they they do. It's just growing pains, and there will be like little bumps in the road, and they may like they may take a few years. Um, but now they're both older, it's very different. Um, so now yeah. you don't argue. Um, I mean, we we do. I think part of it is like I don't live there. Uh, I guess definitely a, a decent portion of it um like we do um but it's definitely not as high frequency as it was it was like a few years you know just like little things but I we've both just grown so yeah the thing that I love most about that story and I loved a lot of it the thing I love most is 
I think I could have heard that story from anybody who had a sister. And I'm just going to tell you, yeah, on those days when you thought she doesn't like me, she might not have. (laughs) She always loved you, but she might not have liked you at that moment. Erica, you have what? How many sisters do you have? I have two sisters and two brothers. Okay. Is what Maya's saying sounding familiar to you? Um, Actually not, because there's such an age difference between my older sister and I. And then the fact that I was the older sister to my baby sister. So, yeah, it was a different dynamic. Yeah, definitely different dynamic. Okay, so I'm glad I was able to bring that to you, Maya, as a sibling who's kind of um, closer in age. Yes, there were days she didn't like you, but she always loved you. That's how we are as sisters. And we will be scrapping in the house, fighting over Barrett. But once we step outside the door, we're a unit. mess with one you mess with both you mess with one you mess with both so that's just a sister thing so back to a parent a a teaching moment for a parent oftentimes they would have to figure that out themselves I didn't jump in I didn't jump in oh this and that you know um there may have been times but for the most part they had to figure that out for themselves I was not paying. There were sometimes had to be a referee, but for the most part, let the siblings, they have to figure that out for themselves, how to kind of, you know, relate to one another. And if it was scrappy and this and that, my whole thing, as long as I don't hear uh, blood curdling screams, blood, I would tell them, don't put your hands on one another. I mean, I think you, you, I don't put your hands on one another. I would tell them that all the time, but y'all have to work this thing out. Because at some point I'm not going to be around. Dad's not going to be around and y'all going to. And I think, you know, and I can see that in some friends and family members. I know that their adult children now have times with one another. They don't even know how to, you know, conflict is good, but, you know, healthy conflict. But I, I, I literally have friends and family members that are adult kids that really don't know. They barely talk to one another now. And I think that's, you know, parents have to, you play a role on your kid's how your kids um, respond and, you know, react with one another. You got to let them do this again, set the, set the ground rules. Like I said, no, no, no throwing things, no hands on, but y'all got to figure this thing out. Okay. I would like to add, so you did, you brought up a point where you said, um, what did you say? You oh, just keep, me said, honest, um, keep me honest. Whew. Yeah. No, I mean, you, I think you are mostly honest. Um, and I don't think oh. you're being, and I don't think you're, being like intentionally deceitful necessarily because you said that you would like let us just um do what we had to do and you would like stay out of it and I think in that moment in a little like actual arguing that is true and I obviously don't know what you did or did not go back and say to Taryn but um after oh. our arguments I remember you would come to me afterwards and say Maya remember this is how she is you have to remember oh that's just how she is so in that moment in a lot of us arguing and stuff like that you were out of it but in a way you weren't because how you respond to me afterwards shaped how I went into it next time. Ooh. So whenever we argued in the back of my mind, I would hear, oh, this is how she is. And that's why I was saying earlier, like, yes, you said that all sisters argue, but I think the response to how we argued, at least on my end, made it slightly different and shaped how I, we would argue next time. Is that good? The shaping of how you argue the next time or the small voice that you'd hear that was like, remember, this is how she is. How did that feel the next argument? Um, 
it felt a bit unfair because I was like, because like, like I said, I don't know what you were or not saying to her after the fact, but in my mind that the conversation you were having with me was not being had with her because I, and, and I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like you probably didn't go to her and say, Taryn, this is how she is. This is something that you just have to grapple with, not saying deal with it, but I feel like that conversation wasn't also wasn't happening on both ends. So when we would argue, I was like, well, why am I arguing? This is how she is. You know, I was like, I'm like, and that's how she is. We can't, this can't be how we both are. So. In order for the conflict to resolve. That is fascinating. So what I would love to do is, I'm sorry, Erica, did you want to respond? No, I, yeah, I'm sitting there listening. I'm like, I, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. Look at you modeling good parenting. You go ahead, girl. You validate her. <laughs> you let her know. You saw her. You heard her. Her feelings are valid and they are true. You go ahead. You go ahead. Coaching 101. <laughs> but what I would love to ask Maya is what I think you're getting to is communication, which we talked about a little bit earlier. So if you can give me a couple tips for communicating that you think help you now and can help you in the future so that other siblings can benefit from them as well. So if you could, again, wave that purple crown and change how you communicated, and I don't want to use that specific example, but since you brought it up, I'm gonna. So let's say that your mom came to you after an argument and said, remember, this is how she is. With your education, knowledge, maturity, and skills today, what would you have wanted to communicate to your mom in that moment? Um. I probably would have expressed, and I feel like I probably did at some point, that um, that felt unfair. Um, and huh. that sisters are going to argue, but that's not innately who we are. You know, I, I find it hard to believe that we're innately like, I don't know, like passive aggressive or just regularly aggressive or just brazen, you know? Um, like teenagers like argue, um, especially like sisters argue and to have it be said that like, this is how someone is makes it seem like it'll always be that way. Um, and I, I like knew that wasn't the case, but it's also like, no one wants to be told that like their sibling is always going to be this version of their sibling because it, I, cause I like, I don't think anyone wants to be like, ah, oh, this version of this person that I don't like is how they will be like forever. Um, and no one wants that. And then on top of that, it makes you feel like your arguments are like pointless because it's like, well, it's like, well, if you know that they're like this, then why would you even argue? If you know they're going to bite back, then just don't bite at them. Um, and I don't necessarily know if I'm expressing it like perfectly like now or even like even better now, but like kind of just, I would want to kind of like push back at that. Like, I don't think anyone is inherently this type of person or this like version of themselves, you know? Um, and that when you paint them in that light, it's it's honestly it's unfair to them and to me and to you. It's unfair to all parties involved um, because I don't think anyone is just stuck like that. I don't think that um, I shouldn't be able to argue because they're stuck like that. And then you shouldn't also have to endure um, that version of them because we're not just you know we're multifaceted people. We're not just the bad versions of ourselves, and that's not going to stick with us forever. 
either. So I'm going to let your, I'm going to let your mom respond to that. But I think the magic of what I was just hearing was again, similar to the last episode we recorded when we were talking about accountability, right? Setting boundaries, setting expectations, and then holding people accountable for their behavior. And that sometimes we're reluctant to hold different siblings accountable for things that they have done for a litany of reasons. So one of the things I think I took from that is in any family, the core of communication is to, uh, and you talked a lot about caring about your voice to use your voice because someone can't care about something that you haven't shared, right? Nobody can read your mind. So one of the reasons or one of the ways that parents can show love is to let your your child know that you care about their voice. Love that. But they have to use the voice for the parent to then show them that they care about what it is that they said. Is that fair? Is that what I heard? Yes. Okay. Um, Erica, did you want to respond to that? No, I, I don't think I have responded. I have more of a just... Um, just grateful that Maya was, is able to express that. And I understand more now, like I understand, yeah, I understand more now than I did at the, the, the impact that that, you know, had or could have. And even though my intentions were, you know, I, I, and it, it's not, you know, I'm not trying to make it all about what my intentions are and what it was, but thinking in that space, you know, my like, uh, and I remember thinking like, Lord, I just don't want you to get be so upset, honey. I really don't want you to be so, so upset. And would say that, you know, well, just kind of almost like this is, yes, this is how she is. You might you step away, you know, and not meaning to, but it's more from a kind of a protecting, like I didn't want to see her stressed. It was, I know that was the space in which I was operating, but that doesn't make mean that it was right. So it's one of those things as parents, you, our intentions, we may have certain intentions, but they may not always line up and received or even understood by your other child. I think this is a great wrapping up point for this episode, because I think what you're talking about is that your intent is one thing, but the impact could be something completely Absolutely. different. And that doesn't um, invalidate what your intent was. It doesn't affect your love, your respect. It doesn't affect any of those other things, but it does give you an opportunity to pause and think, and it, there's no judgment there. Okay. So this is what my intent was. And if it didn't land that way, that doesn't mean your intent was bad. It just means that we're all people and we experience things differently. So I thank you both for being so kind of raw and authentic in talking about this. And I think what I heard was all families are complicated and in families where one of the children has special needs, yeah, there's some other things that we might think about to make sure that the regularly able child is growing up the best version of herself that she can be, and that the child with special needs is growing up to be the best version of herself that she can be, and that the mom grows up to be the best version of herself that she can be. Because as long as we're breathing, we're growing and learning. And I think you said it perfectly at the beginning in that moms aren't going to get everything right. But part of being a mom is being brave, acknowledging mistakes when they happen, and talking to your kids 
ask them how they're feeling, even when they're five and six, so that you can then have those conversations when they're 15 and 16 and 25 and 26. And that's when you move from, don't talk to me like I'm one of your little friends to, hey girl, talk to me like I'm one of your little (laughs) friends. I thank you so much in And some of my favorite parts of My Sister's Keeper were the uh, little stories that you would add and the stories specifically where Maya uh, was showing up as like the hero in her own story are some of my favorite parts. Um, So we're going to encourage people, as we always do at the end of these episodes, if anything in this has resonated with you and if you're thinking, man, I want some more of that, go to eatconnection.com and pick up your copy of the book so you can have more of these conversations within your own families. So again, thank you both so much for sharing with us today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. Additional information from author Erica Ryder can be found on the website eveconnection.com. If you'd like to buy a copy for yourself or a copy from a friend of her workbook, My Sister's Keeper, for moms to help their child with special needs thrive, you can get this on the website at eveconnection.com slash book or by visiting Amazon to get the Kindle version. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode.